quiet and good order will be maintained in our city to the best of our ability. Riots, melees, and disturbances of the peace are against the interest of all our people and therefore cannot be permitted. Interrupt this program to bring you on behalf of the United States government. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Stand by. I'll be right there. Now, here comes the music. Everything STL Beyond FM. Thanks for tuning in, uh, hanging out on a uh, gloomy Thursday in December out here in uh, the beautiful Westport area and uh, hanging out with uh, Lenny Meek. And how are you? 
How you doing, Tony? I'm 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 not so gloomy. The weather's gloomy, but I feel I feel energized. And it's finally it's nice to finally be on your show. I I'm familiar and I've been like waiting for my invite. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, here we go. Um I think uh I mean I've I've been introduced to everything that's going on here a little bit and so what we want to really today uh make awareness of kind of what's going on because I did I, I really didn't when I first came here I'm like I didn't even know all this existed so yeah. if I if, <laughs> I'm not trying to That's typical that happens. You know, I'm not trying to uh, uh make myself seem important but if I don't know about it a lot of other uh, least St. Louis scene wise doesn't know about it. It's hundred percent so. true. You are important. You're, you're right at the epicenter of, um, you know, um, sharing all the good things that the St. Louis is, is up to, you know, so, I'm, I'm trying yeah. my best. <laughs> so we appreciate that. All of us, uh, people in the music community and the, uh, arts community and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have a lot going on. Cool. Um, so first of all, let's talk about, uh, you have your own record label called Low Town Records. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, yeah. So we started that about, uh, three years ago. It's been, um, quite an interesting ride so far. Uh, I'm focused on working with, uh, primarily St. Louis based talent, uh, what, we, what I like to call mostly, I would say, um, pre-discovered talent. Uh, we have a couple of artists uh, that have been associated and worked with the label that are um, more developed and a little bit um, more, um, they're out there more than, than some of the other ones. For example, Ryan Marquez. Ryan is our, one of our you know marquee artists. Um, we did a wonderful record with Ryan. We've done some concert film things with him as well. Janet Evra, both of them are in the jazz uh, lane as it were, with respect to you know what they do with us, the work we've done together. Ryan is 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 a, a man of many musical a musical chameleon, a man of many musical coats. But um, <clears throat> Janet is uh, is also a jazz artist. Janet Everest, she is uh, internationally touring artist as well. We have uh, we we work on the uh, hip hop and R and B side as well. We have Slim and Lucky, which is a uh, husband and wife duo. They do hip hop and R and B. We have a fancy Amy, Amy Birch, uh, who is um, sort of our um, kind of our like hardcore rapper. I might say, I guess oh, yeah. I would put it that way. Yeah, <clears throat> Amy's quite something, and uh, we there, we've been developing her uh, her career as an artist that she's been developing and working on her uh, her skills, and she's a little bit newer to the game. Uh, we also have Shaylin Rolf. Shaylin is a pop uh, singer, but she dabbles in other types of music. Fantastic songwriter as well, and. Um, we have some others as well. We're working with a number of different uh, other artists, uh, some I can't quite mention yet. Um, and uh, I'm also on my own label as well. I'm an artist as well. And i um, sort of in that psychedelic rock singer-songwriter lane. Uh, we have uh, Brian Maloney, who's a good friend of mine, who's a kind of a singer-songwriter as well. So we have, we have a number of artists on the label. We're developing some younger artists. We're actually scouting for new artists right now. Uh, it's it's you know it's a challenge getting a, a an independent, small, underfunded label off the ground. But mm-hmm. you know we have the studio, we have uh, we have connections, we have capabilities, and we are just growing. You know we're trying to you know a big part of you know COVID kind of got wedged in there. It's incredible what we managed to do with during. COVID. Oh, I feel um, that. I feel that. Uh, and uh, so, but you know, we're just, uh, we're, I think we're kind of in, in a place now with the record label where we're co- going to sort of low town records uh, version 2.0. So we've been actually developing a new website. We've been working on a lot of things this year. Uh, things have kind of, uh, the timelines have unfortunately just been stretched uh, because we've been stretched in terms of um, our 
not not stretched in a bad way. I would say uh, uh, it's been it's been an interesting challenge because of some of the other you know initiatives and business things that we have going on in terms of getting the theater up and running and all of the different um, pieces of our overall entertainment you know uh empire <laughs> so um but uh you know but but we are all these things kind of feed off of one another and 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 we have uh now we have a lot of capacity so now we're really just trying to ramp up production and get more things uh more things done in a timely way yeah i mean it's a beautiful thing to add more to the pile but then again it's hard to you know babysit those piles at the same time so yeah it is what it is yeah, it, yeah. you know team building uh you know it's a it's a team building exercise uh that's a challenge knowing how to delegate when to delegate having the ability to raise capital uh that's something that we're very much involved in right now is raising capital for our operation um you know everything takes time and money nothing is easy um uh you know it, there's this uh there's this kind of i think perception that you know you can just sort of um uh find that there are artists out there uh, that are fully developed, ready to go, just sort of put them out and poof, magical things will happen. That maybe happens at times, you know, from from time to time with certain people. But, uh, you know, what we've discovered is that it's a slog. You know, you have to, you have to uh, chisel away little by little by little. Um, And uh, it's not an easy thing to be uh, in the, um, in the record label business these days. Cause it's like the landscape is shifting. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people don't really need labels. And it's funny to say that as a label owner, uh, but we have resources, we have capabilities and we have uh, a team that's growing. And so it's just a question of like finding the right uh, balance, uh, you know, between the artist and what their needs and capabilities are and what we can actually provide. Gotcha. Yeah. Because there's something to be said to like, yeah, bands can and do whatever, uh, they want to do, and they may not need a label, but then again, it's always, always to have that extra person to put you in spots that you wouldn't be able to get to. There's some of that. Uh, the theaters are definitely coming into play with with, with how we operate, um, and uh, and you know it, it's funny. You know, a lot of people, including myself, can you can do wonderful production on an iPad, you mm-hmm. know, in a closet, you know, uh, but there are some. And quite a few things that, you know, you can't really do fully without a studio. So, so having the capability, being able to, you know, bang away on the drums and being able to record more people at once and, and do things that are in, um, certain style of certain styles and genres of music require different techniques for recording and production. So, you know, hip hop is, uh, quite a bit easier to different skill set than recording a band, for example. Exactly. Right. Uh, so it's easier in some respects, harder in others, you know, but, uh, um, sorry, I'm trying to clean up in here, but, um, but basically it's, it's kind of like, it's been a learning process too. And we are, uh, we're evolving, you know, along with everyone else, but St. Louis has a very, um, outsized influence in the world of entertainment in general. We're seeing that on the film side of our business. We're seeing that, um, even on the, with the theater, you know, taking over the theater and, uh, getting that up and running and all the different things we're doing with that and how that kind of integrates. So it's very, it's, it's interesting to see some spotlight coming at us. And, and I think that people are kind of going, there's a sort of St. Louis thing where people kind of look at you and they kind of go, you know, if it's not perfect or if it's not, let's say if you're not coming out of the gate with tremendous success right off the bat, I think people kind of get raise their eyebrow and go, Oh yeah, well, you know, 
well, you're, you know, this is St. Louis and, you know, that's just how things go or, or, um, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, I think that people feel like there's a lid, you know, there's kind of this mentality here that they feel like there's, uh, there's a lid, you know, there's, there's sort of some sort of cap or some kind of magical, uh, threshold that, that you can't cross if you're, if you're a St. Louis based, uh, label or an artist or whatever. And, and it's just untrue. And you, and we're, we, when I say we, I mean the artist community and the music community at large in St. Louis, we're constantly proving that not to be true. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that, um, are embracing St. Louis in the arts in a lot of different ways. There was an article last week that came out about a bunch of people from New York theater, people moving here, things like that. So there's really a lot of, uh, extra energy and, um, kind of a groundswell that's been, that's been kind of happening. Yeah. I, I preach a lot, um, that, the general population of St. Louis doesn't know how good the St. Louis music scene is. Now, if you're part of it, yeah. you know how good it is. And we're all preaching to the choir because we're all just all talking to each other saying, Hey, this is great, but how, <laughs> right. how, do, how do we get it out to the, right. you know, the, the, uh, you know, the folks that, you know, love going to baseball games and drinking Bud Light. Cause that's basically what I see as general population of St. Louis doing, you know, so yes. how, how do we reach those people? So hopefully we, we can do that. Um, and, and, and I think it's also important and this is, has, maybe there's a shift here now too. It's very important for people to leave St. Louis to extend their reach beyond St. Louis, especially for artists, for musicians. Like you have to play shows, you have to tour whatever that means in your particular genre. And, and a lot of people, unfortunately over the however many decades, they would sort of do that. And then they would just sort of forget about St. Louis or they would not really shine a light back on St. Louis. Nelly is an exception to that to some extent, but there are many, there are a lot more that sort of ha- had not done that, but that is changing. You know, you're getting look, Jackson Stokes or Tonina or um, any number of other artists that um, Janet Ever, who I mentioned, who who's on our label as well. Um, uh, she she tours. You know, she goes to Europe. She does her thing, and mm-hmm. so she's spreading the gospel of St. Louis. She's actually not even from St. Louis. I mean, she's from Great Britain, but but she's here now, and so. The idea of going out and doing the thing, but then representing yourself as being from here and bringing that sort of energy back and bringing the love back to back to home, I think that's really a key thing. That that's a shift that seems to have taken place um, now. You know, yeah, I have I have seen that a lot, especially like groups like Discrepancies that are touring and stuff like that, and a lot of their songs mention St. Louis a lot because they're from St. Louis, and uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that too.
I lost control. I may have lost my mind, but I brought the flows. I had to toss my woes. I exhausted those. We left the kinds behind. Now I rock with pros. And I just got a message from my senorita. Who always acts surprised when she see my reply. Ripping shows on new girls so they can see why we fly. But St. Louis will forever be my C-I-C-Y-C-I. Get the feeling someone's testing me. Who knew a little bit of illness was the recipe? We haven't really fully said what theater it was, but we were mentioning the theater. And when I had a meeting uh, earlier, checking out everything, and uh, (laughs) so when it was mentioned, I'm like, I haven't heard that name forever. And so um, you guys are basically um, running the Westport Playhouse now. Yes, uh, took over the Westport Playhouse. Now, for a number of years... um, it's a very interesting story. For a number of years, uh, it was known as the Playhouse at Westport. The previous operator called it the Playhouse at Westport. Um, but a lot of people, especially anyone over the age of 35, probably in St. Louis, uh, when you say Westport Playhouse, they think of the original Westport Playhouse, which was a 2,000-seat a um, theater mm-hmm. with uh, with a sta- in, in the round with a stage that was circular that rotated. The stage actually rotated. Well, that theater has been closed for 20 years. Um, it's now the conference center at Westport Plaza. But about 20 years ago, uh, the two gentlemen that now own the Funny Bone, they actually built another theater. They, they, they took over what used to be known as America's Pub. It's on the second floor of the Gold Tower in Westport Plaza. And it's a 240-seat theater. And they ran it for a few years, and then some other people came in. There have been a number of different operators of the theater over the, year, over the years. And um, when I took it over... I decided, we decided that it was best to rename it back to the Westport Playhouse for a couple of reasons. One, of course, everyone in St. Louis kind of remembers that name. So so we're sort of taking advantage of that like market confusion to yeah. some extent. Uh, and also, I just think it has, like, it has a better uh, ring to it. But but so, so that's been really interesting. And it's a 240-seat theater. It's an off-Broadway uh, equity theater. It's traditionally been known as a theatrical room where they do musicals. Uh, some big, big shows have played there. Menopause, the musical, and Flanagan's Wake, and other stuff. Um, Avenue Q played there quite successfully a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that my team and I have done, 
my partner, Dan Byington, uh, what, one of the things that we've done uh, strategically, and it's a fundamental shift in philosophy, is, uh, you know, because we're, Dan's from the film world, primarily, I'm from the music world, primarily, uh, but we've both done film and music and theater and, uh, it was sort of like, okay, what can we do to, uh, I call it a theater to create a theater as a platform. And so we brought in this 30 foot led video wall, which is stunning. We were incorporating that using it in shows. We do private parties. We do, uh, concerts. We do comedy nights. We do, uh, magic shows. We, we've been doing sing along movies actually. We did White Christmas. We have another uh, ver- another showing of White Christmas. So what, a sing-along with like the bouncing ball and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We have a host. There's door prizes and all kind of stuff. So so our thing is like, this is like a, a theater is a platform, a Swiss army knife of entertainment, right? And we brought a new sound system. We got all kinds of different new lighting. It's just like really, really well equipped. Uh, and so we're th- we keep thinking, okay, what are different new creative ways that we can use this theater, not just for traditional plays, although we are definitely staying in that lane as well. Uh, and so that's starting to, I think people are starting to kind of catch on to that and, uh, and we're programming, uh, the calendar and programming events and, uh, shows around that concept. You know, what can we do to, to utilize the space in, in a lot of different ways? Uh, we just got our liquor license, so we have a bar on our patio. And out, while we're, I want to mention Westport Plaza was like when when we were growing up, it was like really hip and fun and cool. Yeah. And there was a period back in the seventies and eighties, it was like the spot. Now it kind of went to, uh, it kind of just sort of went downhill. I mean, it's common knowledge. It was kind of like ah, Westport got kind of run down. And well, like, I mean, it's, no, a, it's no, the same no. thing with the landing. I mean, if you lived oh, like South yeah. City and stuff sure. like that, you hit the landing. If you lived you know, West County area, then this was, yeah, West this Park is like was the party o- spot. Yeah, this was yeah. the party. This is like the oasis of entertainment out here. Uh, and, uh, and then it just sort of kind of just like people forgot about it and it wasn't fun anymore. And, uh, when worldwide technologies built their global headquarters here, um, the story goes that they sort of said, well, we'll, we'll do the deal and we'll build our headquarters here, but you got to make Westport fun again. And so LHM who we're partnered with, uh, who we work with, that's our landlords essentially. Mm-hmm. LHM uh, invested very heavily in Westport. They built out Westport Social. That place is packed every night, and it's super cool. The food is fantastic. The train wreck is still alive. Well, and the kicking. train wreck is eternal. I mean, the train. We, you know, I joked around. The train wreck. Um, COVID doesn't live inside the train wreck. No. COVID stops at the door. They were like, oh, COVID, we don't care. Yes. No. Um, so in that place is eternal. And then you'd have certain anchors, you know, Funny Bone's been there forever yeah. and they're doing very well still. And then you have uh, other things there and a lot of great restaurants have kind of come and gone, but there's still a lot of wonderful things. Well, well, Westport started investing very, very heavily into revitalizing Westport and then kind of COVID kind of iced that for a couple of years. But now uh, you know, a few weeks ago, there was a giant, big old press conference, and they've announced a major, major new anchor tenant, which is going to be Rawlings, the baseball, the sports company. Nice. And Rawlings is going to be like right across the hall from us. Like they're going to be our next door neighbor. And they're building the Rawlings experience. They're taking over the old uh, piano bar and what used to be the old Casa Gallardo down on the first floor. But and, I miss Casa Gallardo. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now you have Fuzzies. You got Fuzzies Taco, yeah, which yeah. is fantastic. So shout out to Fuzzies. But uh, they're building a two-story Rawlings experience. It's going to be a gold glove museum. A lot of people in St. Louis don't even know Rawlings is headquartered in St. Louis, a 150-year-old company. Yeah. You know, they make 80% of the gloves, uh, ha- uh, helmets, and, and bats and stuff that are used, and balls, I think, that are used by Major League Baseball. 
Baseball. So they're a major company. And Westport has always been the hub for media people and sports people in town. Of course, we had Ozzy's there, Pujols, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Our office at the theater backs up to the Pujols Family Foundation. We're working with them on a couple of events as well. Cool. Uh, and so, and you have AM550 right across the hall from mm-hmm. us. So we're like right in there. And the Rawlings experience is going to be this two-story thing. You, uh, kids will be able to go and like make, design their own glove, try on famous gloves and things like that. And then they're putting a 30 foot tall gold glove on top of the gold tower at Westport. Wow. It's going to be a instant iconic thing, global iconic thing. Uh, and they are building. So LHM owns 360, which is that wonderful two story glass restaurant and bar that overlooks ballpark village downtown. Mm-hmm. They're putting 360 West on top of the gold tower as well. Wow. So, uh, and then the other, then the last thing that they're doing, uh, there's a bunch of stuff they're doing, but the other thing is they're taking the at union station. There's the uh, soda fountain shop and they're taking over the old Panera uh, bread company that was there at Westport Plaza and that they're turning that into a diner, a soda fountain type diner thing too. So, so they're really putting their uh, effort and money where their mouth is. And the Rawlings thing, we're working with Rawlings because we're right across the hall. They want to use the theater. There's a lot of different issues. Two presentations and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, all that and, kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're definitely like right in the mix there. And I mean, it's huge. Westport, you know, Chesterfield is amazing what they've done out there at the factory and everything else. Oh, yeah. St. Charles, the, the, the landing over there at St. Charles, a lot of cool stuff happening there. It's really wonderful. But Westport still has this unique, um, presence. The location is fantastic. It's a campus environment. So you've got the restaurants, you've got safe, secure garage parking, you know, the whole works and entertainment. So we're just a big part of that. And we're looking at, we're going to be doing a music festival there. Uh, we're going to be doing, um, uh, a game con as well. So our theater is going to be used for gaming events. Uh, which is we're so use the video wall for that. Mm-hmm. That's a, St. Louis is actually really big in that. A lot of people again don't, oh, yeah. don't know Maryville University. Shout out because they're like national championship type teams there. Esports is a really big thing. Uh, we've been in, in contact, had meetings with the Science Center in regards to that as well. So, so all of these things are like happening kind of concurrently, you know, parallel. Uh, and and we are um, thinking, okay, how do we? innovate and then take advantage of the, uh, the resources that we have to put enter, you know, put entertainment in front of people and get people in and to have a good time. Uh, and so with the theater, our mission is like, we kind of call it, um, I think the term that Leanne Matthews, she's our artistic director. I think the term she uses like vacation theater or theater light. In other words, you know, we want people to be entertained, have a good time, laugh, etc. Um, come to see some great shows. We've done some wonderful concerts already there. Probably not going to be doing a death of a salesman anytime soon or Othello. You know what I mean? There's other theaters that are doing the heavier stuff. We are going to do some edgy this year. We're going to program some very interesting, edgier entertainment. Uh, We want to reach down and grab a little bit of a younger uh, audience. The theater audience for Westport Playhouse has traditionally been middle-class white folks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just what it is. So, and we're the demographic and uh, the diversity at Westport and in general, St. Louis has really taken on a new dimension and we want to be part of that. And so uh, along with that, we're, we're programming and thinking about ways to really expand the audience there, you know? So definitely. And, we, and our artist label artists uh, will be doing locate low town showcases there. Uh, there'll be a number of concerts that we're going to be announcing in the next couple of weeks uh, going into next year. So great. Yeah. (laughs) 
I can't stop talking about Westwood. I know know you're excited. I know. know Well, the theater is like across the street from our studio here. And I mean, we're just, it's just a great place to be. And you guys, uh, and I'll mention it, just congrats on, I saw the review for the the 12 Days of Christmas thing that you've got. Oh yeah, the 12 Dates of Christmas is hot. It's a really great show. The reviews are are great. Jennifer Thebe Quinn, she's like a real Broadway, you know, talent, um, union actress. I mean, she's, hilarious. She just takes you through the whole range of emotions, really. Just, uh, I think the, one of the reviewers called it a bravura performance. I just think it's great. So, And we're using the wall. We have Marjorie and Peter Spack, um, have, who have done the set design, using our video wall. So it's really interact. It's a multimedia kind of immersive experience. So you really are seeing a, a theater show that no other theater in town could put together. You know, uh, So yeah, no, it's a hilarious, hilarious show. Uh, it's about a gal who gets dumped on um, by her fiance on Thanksgiving, and then for the next year, it's sort of a story of her twelve dates, like over the okay. next period of that next year, um, and all the kind of weird and wacky dates and you know her life and stuff through that year. And she actually plays fifteen different characters through the show, just absolutely amazing, amazing. So twelve dates of Christmas that's running till uh, the twenty third okay. uh, of this month. And then I also should mention the Da Vinci Show, Discover Da Vinci. It's all about, uh, so it's Mark and John Rogers, Mark Rogers. It's also a one person show. It's all about, uh, Michelangelo and Da Vinci, like their rivalry, their history. It's a totally multimedia show. We also have a bunch of Da Vinci machines from the North American Da Vinci machines exhibit. So it's very interactive, super cool for kids, all ages. You can interact with Da Vinci's actual, the machines that were based on his actual designs. And Mark takes you through the history and and kind of asks people to sort of discover the Da Vinci in themselves in terms of like, like we didn't, there's all this incredible stuff. I mean, you know, Da Vinci has been studied for hundreds, mm-hmm. hundreds of years. My wife is actually, uh, has a background as a Da Vinci scholar, just coincidentally worked out that way. Uh, but, you know, it's like we take it for granted, but there's like 3,000 things that people interact with on a daily basis that comes straight from Leonardo da Vinci's designs or inventions, including the modern engine. So it's just really wild. And and Mark takes you through that. And he's so passionate. The show is like, like he, I mean, you see people like really feeling the emotion in terms of like, you know, um, the artwork, the inventions, and also how that stuff really impacts our day-to-day life today. You know, and Da Vinci and Michelangelo, they had a, a rough relationship. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those guys were no love lost there, you know? So uh, I know you don't have a lot of time. Uh, I wanted to bring kind of this up, though. So now we have the label, and the label has studio inside, own studio where, you know, it's not... You know, if, if you were interested in an artist, you wouldn't be sending them to another studio. You'd be basically trying to produce them here. And, yeah, for the and, most part. And, and you have, you know, the theater. Um, so um, with those things, what I would like to try to do, you know, for you and, and for the community, because I, you know me, I pay attention to what everybody's doing and kind yeah. of who's hot and maybe somebody that's super young, which I have a couple people in mind that are super young, that are really talented, that probably could use guidance, but I, I know mm-hmm. that they, you know, they kind of have it. Um, mm-hmm. Are you with the theater? Um, are you open to local shows? Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Local shows We're we're, you know, uh, flies. Um, uh, we, the more that we can do locally, the better, you know, yeah. not just to support the local arts, but it's like, 
financially more uh, efficient for us, right? I don't have to fly people in and stuff like that. There's So we are doing tribute shows. I think they're wonderful. And I say this as an artist, as an original artist, as a songwriter, producer, etc. I don't mind a good tribute show. I think it's fine. The audiences love them. And if it's done well and with good taste and with respect, it's a wonderful experience. You know, a few weeks ago we had, uh, we had, uh, nineties alt rock night and it was, uh, we had, um, green day opener, Pearl jam headliner, and then chili peppers closers. It was actually three different acts, two bands, but they covered three different acts and it was great. And we had a packed house and it was a total blast and they sounded fantastic. So those things are kind of like, that's a no brainer. And those are local bands. Yeah. In terms of original artists, uh, the answer is also yes. We are going to be putting on original shows, uh, not just low-town artists, but others as well. We're having conversations with several pretty significant people that like kind of are from St. Louis, maybe just came back to St. Louis, things like that, uh, in different genres. Um, uh, and, you know, it's it, the theater is 240 seats. So I'm not trying to get 2,000 people in there, yeah, yeah. right? It's a lot easier to fill a house like that and create an incredible experience for people. And so uh, we're open to anything. I mean, we have, you know, 365 days a year we can put on events there. And, and actually, we are doing multiple events each day. For example, this Saturday, we have three shows in one day. And nice. so, so it's very... We're very open to that. If it makes sense for us, uh, if we think we can get people in there, you know, we do a lot of advertising. We have a wonderful PR team, social media help. We've got, we got a team. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of, uh, I think a lot of it is spreading the message because people are like, Westport, I haven't, a lot of people, and I ask everyone that comes there, I'm like, when's the last time you were, oh, I haven't been to Westport in 10 years. You exactly. know? Right. And so we're actually starting to see that it is working, right? It's, you know, and with all the things that West, that LHM is going to be doing there, it's going to blow up again, you know? Um, so when, and you know, like, so we're just definitely pushing in that direction, but yeah, we're, we're always scouting for artists. We're always on the label side and we have all these capabilities, uh, and resources. So we're, we're always looking at artists. We're looking at, um, you know, I, I'm kind of looking, I'd love to get a new uh, original rock band in the mix, younger artists that maybe are not fully developed that we can assist with. That's wonderful as well. And even mature artists that have already been out and done stuff, maybe they need a fresh twist on things or they need a new studio to operate in. So, you know, we're, we're like my job, a lot of my job now is just to say yes, mostly, <laughs> you know, it's like I have nothing to lose, you know? Yeah. yeah. Let's see what happens. Right. So, um, so there's a lot of that happening and, and, uh, you know, we're, we're always looking at, at those kind of things, but yeah, we'd want to support the local talent. Absolutely. Good yeah. Deal. So all sounds wonderful and I'm excited, I'm excited <laughs> for you too. And I know you're excited to, uh, especially to see, I'm excited to see the Westport you know, jump back into action. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a good spot. You know, um, I hope they fix the roads on Craig out in front of the Westport Plaza. That's the one thing that's kind of been annoying, but I think that they are working on that. I think that's kind of part of their like overall trajectory. You know, the Plaza doesn't have as much saying that that's public mm-hmm. uh, road and stuff like that. They're also building a 250 unit luxury apartment complex there. So they really want to turn it into the mission is to continue to develop that uh, campus as a work play, uh, you know, entertainment complex. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so, you know, the Rawlings thing is going to be really, really cool. We're, we're definitely looking at a lot of events that are associated with it when they open, which maybe a year plus from now, 
we're probably going to do an entire month of baseball related programming play all the cool baseball movies maybe have like a baseball themed play we're looking at some of that kind of stuff so there's a lot of um there's a lot of momentum in that area uh as well yeah so and um you know i've listened to your show i i love your show i love your show and I've, it's been it's been on my radar because we have some mutual uh colleagues that we've mm-hmm. worked with and it's been on my radar and so yeah, it's nice to have you uh, here uh, as well at the studio. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, we're, we're we're trying, and we're we're you know, COVID kind of screwed us too, or at least me. Yeah, because uh, you know, I we started in 2019, and then I. Mm. And one of the plans was to, you know, it was just a podcast at first, and then a radio station, and then we went, I wanted to move into, you know, booking branded shows and stuff. Yeah. First show I did was uh, February of 2020. Oh man, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I didn't get to do another one for quite a while. Yeah, it's all, <laughs> so. it's all a blur. I mean, it's still very active. I, I'm, I've got a number of people that are um, under the weather, you might say, right now with COVID. Mm-hmm. So. You know, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, at one point here at the studio, uh, I mean, it was just me, myself, and I for like five months. It was just weird. It's like, well, I guess I'll just work on my own material because I couldn't really have anyone here. And, yeah. You know, we did some things. Uh, it, it's just been wild. It's just like the way of the world. But, um, but yeah, we have a lot of, I think, and Dave, uh, who connected us, Dave Ketricide is one of our colleagues and team members. I think that the term he likes to use that I picked up is, you know, excess capacity. We have now, we have, infra- we've actually expanded the studio for anybody out there that is familiar with Lowtown Studios. Uh, we've doubled the size of the studio. So we actually have business offices now and a second, we have a second live room that is primarily used by a band that we work with that we're associated with here. It's a band called Rock and Chair, which is an unbelievably talented band. It's a bunch of, uh, it's basically a bunch of old retired dudes, but they're mm-hmm. unbelievable. And they just played a show. They just opened uh, for the Billy Joel tribute at uh, Family Arena. And Rock and Chair is like a 15-piece band. I mean, they, they do an Eagles tribute. They do the Laurel Canyon sound. So they occupy the main, the big live room here. Um, but it's also multi-purpose. We can, we can use that room for other types of things. So, we're, so they're here. We're building a second control room. We have conference room and offices and actual video editing space now. So we've expanded and, um, the growth is not just because we like needed more, more elbow room, but as I was saying, as using Dave's phrase, it's excess capacity. So now, like I said, I just say yes, because like we have the space, we have the resources, we have the capability to bring people in and, and actually facilitate their creative endeavors. So one thing I, along with that, and this is related is that um, we're actually relaunching our producer in residence program. We need engineers. We need producers. We need people that can do things like make beats, uh, record others, right. Um, and video editing too. So we're, I'm looking, we're bringing, we have had resumes and different things coming in, but anyone that's out there that has those type of skill sets, we have a studio for you and we want you to come here and work out of our studio, bring your clients, work with our clients, what have you. Uh, I'm not in a position as much these days to, uh, my team has been, how can I say they've been pretty clear that, you know, I need to probably, uh, uh, focus less on turning knobs, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. um, not cause I'm like not good at it or something, but just because like, you know, somebody has to be the evangelist and like run the business and, and do the bigger I don't say bigger, but do the other things that are not necessarily in the minutia of um, turning knobs all day. And so I've been 
slowly but surely, um, you know, working that process. And that is a process. And so any producers out there, beat makers, engineers, if you're tired of your, being in your bedroom, living room, basement, what have you, we have a studio that you can operate out of. And we have, we're very flexible. We have a lot of different ways that we can structure those arrangements and those relationships. Uh, so, you know, just that's kind of an open call. Okay. <laughs> you know, an okay. open call to the people out there listening. I know I know quite a few of them. So. Yeah, bring them in. <laughs> yeah. I wish, wish I was young enough to learn all that again or ah, learn all that. Well, I would love to be a producer and an engineer, but. Well, I'm learning every day. It's easy. Yeah. I mean, I learn from these young guys. They come in and I'm like. I mean, I was just here last night watching videos on um, sampling and chopping screw techniques and Logic Pro, you know? Yep. And I mean, so you're never too, you know, and, and I've been doing this for 25 years and it's like, there's all kinds of new tools and techniques, you know, um, oh, yeah. uh, to keep things fresh. So, yeah. I mean, especially yeah. now, I mean, the software wise, yeah, I mean, between plugins and everything else, and there's always some kind of technique that you've never thought of that somebody else like, oh, yeah, I do this all the time. Yeah, it's like, amazing. You know? Yeah. And I don't get, I don't have this ego thing, honestly, as an artist, as a, as a individual, like I go to Guitar Center, you just be like, you know, you'll hear some kid just like, I mean, you'll hear some, some guitar playing from the corner, somebody just absolutely shredding, just ripping, you know, and you turn around, <coughs> you know, some 14 year old kid, right? Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people people my age and even younger and older, <laughs> that would be like, they'd be like, all right, I'm done. I'm hanging it up. Yeah. I can't hang with that, you know? Uh, and, and I don't, I don't get that feeling. Um, I get excited when I see young talent, you know, I'm like, oh man, this is great. Like there's hope for the world, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and we have a lot going on in the film uh, business unit. Our film unit is, is percolating quite a bit as well with my partner, Dan Byington. He's, that's definitely his, that's his, uh, that's his wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm involved in that too. We have a lot of, I can't get into all of it, but we have some pretty significant things happening in that world as well. And it's all related, you know, films need music. Music correlates to visuals. Uh, when we do film, um, when we do shoots, uh, film projects, there's a good chance that some of our A-list talent will maybe, you know, come, we're going to try to get those people to come to the theater. You know, maybe do it like, let's say, for example, this is not a thing yet, but let's say, let's say hypothetically we're working on a project that may involve Sharon Stone, for example. Nice. Right? So it'd be like, cool, like we can share my coming for a couple of weeks. Maybe we can get Sharon to come, you know, come to the theater. Hey, Sharon, can you just like do a night? a night with Sharon Stone, tell stories, take questions, you know, yeah. that type of thing. So we're really trying to use all these things kind of, um, uh, cohesively, you know, to kind of, um, uh, you know, elevate the entertainment possibilities here in St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Just uh, have yeah. a nice little Q and a session with them, you know, I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> right. You know, cool. and then of course, and we have, you know, we're, we have connections and it's just like, there's so many things on a day to day basis that we are, we're very much in startup mode. And when you're in startup mode, you kind of have to, there's a little bit of cowboying that you got to do. Like sometimes you just go do it and ask questions later. Right. Uh, so we're now, we're kind of doing the organizational things and kind of cleaning up some, some of the kind of, uh, um, chaos, (laughs) not really chaos, but you know, there's sometimes you just have to say yes and then kind of figure it out later. So, so there's been a little bit of that and we're, we're going through those growing pains. Uh, but you know, having the right team and having people in place that, uh, that understand the philosophy, the big picture of like, you know, what we're trying to do. Cause I would say there's really Dan and I uh, possibly our company, 
which, by the way, the company itself is actually now uh, Westport Media Holdings, Westport Media, and all the different things that we do underneath that. But what we're basically doing is we're trying to create, we are creating an end-to-end entertainment company. You know, there's some other things that we're involved in that are related to that that are on the tech side. I have a long background in technology too. So, so there's like other things that are kind of integrated with that, but that's, that's the idea. I think we're maybe the only team, if, if not, you know, there may be a few other people in town that really have all the different resources in place like this to actually create that, to, to produce, to ha- to create a mechanism to produce music and content and film on a continuous basis, you know, and that's, that's the name of the game. Cause a lot of people go like, Oh, I'm a filmmaker. Well, what have you done? Well, I did this film six years ago. Okay. <laughs> you know, right. Yep. So it's like, you know, we want to do like three projects every 18 months. That's our goal. And then the albums and the singles and the music stuff that also feeds into that. And then it, you know, it has its own life as well. So, so it's kind of this kind of, we're just kind of doing our thing and I'll tell you, I'll leave, I'll leave, I'm probably talking too much, but I'll, I'll leave you with this. Our, our <laughs> motto, and this is for all your people out there. You can't steal this. It's trademarked. Our motto, our, our organization motto is actually, my philosophy is actually, um, make it till you make it. Right. That's our philosophy. Make it till you make it. So I'll just let that sit for a minute. <laughs> so basically just keep, you know, making product until you, you know, hit it. Yeah, look, I mean, quality, yeah. you know, yeah, it, it, it's, there's a certain flood in the market mentality, you know, but like at the same time, it's, you know, like I always say, like as a songwriter, like the songs aren't going to write themselves. The songs are going to sing themselves, you know, um, the movies, it's all, fun. you can be like, yeah, I, I do this and that, but like, are you really doing it? You know? So, yeah. So you just have to do the thing. Like if you ask Paul McCartney, there's some famous interview with Paul McCartney. He goes, they go, the guy goes, oh, I remember back in 78, you're down in Muscle Shoals and you're working on this song and so-and-so was in the studio. And he said, no, I actually don't remember it very well because I was too busy doing it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so that kind of stuck with me, you know. So. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate you giving some time today and uh, hopefully we bring some awareness to everything that's going on in Westport and here at uh, the company and yeah all yeah low town low town studios l-o-t-o-w and of course and then we have westportplay.com that's the the theater site uh we have uh, i'm going to just just out shout out to jason nelson if he uh he's probably not listening when you but you know it is what it is but jason is fantastic we he's bringing sting and peter gabriel tribute uh-huh. uh we're looking at bringing in a steely dan show uh we're looking at doing we're doing a four or five night uh, thing that's going to be songs in the key of love. That's going to be a Valentine's show. It's not just a concert. It's kind of it's like a th- it's concert plus, you know, with yeah. some theatrical elements. Uh, and uh, yeah, so a lot of a lot of those kind of things going. And then uh, we are we even do we use the theater for production. Like tomorrow morning, there's a production company out of New York that's going to be fi- using the theater to film some scenes that they need for a movie. So it was like all these are sort of different things that we have going on. So, but no, it's really great to talk with you. And I love beyond FM and I mean, you just, you know, you definitely keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah. Going to try, but yeah, I appreciate you. We'll take a break and we will be back right here on beyond FM. Thank you. You know that I pretend, yeah, I pretend that it don't bother me, but it only Express myself in front of you without seeming weird. 
Best of Everything STL Beyond FM. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the last break, uh, hanging out in a beautiful Westport area, uh, hanging out at Little Town Records. And uh, we're going to catch up with uh, David Ketcherside and uh, talk about how his participation in this and um, some of the stuff that he does here. And plus, uh, mention uh, he is also an, an author and, and more. And we will, I think, Mentioning it before to you, I think uh, the book side of things, I think it'll take a couple more conversations, recorded conversations later on down the line, because I, I think uh, 
I'd like to tell my story kind of through that uh, that book a little bit. So that's awesome. Yeah, we can touch base a little bit with that later on. So how's it going, and how are you? I'm on, I'm doing great. Uh, first of all, thank you, thank you for introducing me to this world over here. Oh, sweet. <laughs> like, like, like I said, bring up a little bit closer. There you go. Um, introduce me to this world over here because I, like I said, I didn't know one low town even existed, and then you know just seeing, just speaking with, uh, speaking with him earlier, just the excitement that he has on everything that's going to start happening at Westport, and so yeah, it makes makes me happy. Yeah, I think a big thing was um, the Westport Social. That seemed to really ignite this little area over here and it's a cool club and place to hang out. And, um, yeah, Lenny's got this cool little vibe going here. And yeah. it's interesting how it all connects together. And uh, the people, the big shots, mayors and chambers and people like that are excited about what's going on with the playhouse because it kind of it gives just another piece of kindling to put on the fire because there's certainly other cool things to do here yeah definitely yeah um so what 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 do you do uh here for low town and, and things like that yeah um lenny lenny and i have been good friends uh i met him about nine or ten years ago now on a contractor gig and we do a lot of the same things and we do things in the technology world with content and we are, Lenny uses the word Swiss army knife. We're mm-hmm. really good at being a Swiss army knife and you know, I design graphics and produce uh, websites and I love doing video and shooting video. So several years ago I start calling myself a content creator and people are like, Oh, what's that? And, and I was like, Oh, it's, pretty much what you see on the web, you know, whatever you see on the web is stuff I do. And, um, but I don't talk about, I don't talk about it a lot either. I mean, people see my social media and they're like, what do you do? You're just like on Facebook and just posting weird stuff. And so I'm, (laughs) they say the same thing about me. No worries. It's right. And what, what I see that function is it's like a very slow love letter to everybody. It's like, they're, they're getting to see me. You know, and then um, it's a tone, you know, that they see what my energy is like through the words and pictures I share. And so what I do professionally as a living is I'm a bit of a strategist with people. And so in addition to producing content, I spend a lot of time in the discovery phase of working with small businesses, mostly about you know, finding like what makes you, you and why do people like you and why do they want to buy from you? And in that foundation and in that core is what should come through and your personality. And I think a lot of people are aware that's how we're supposed to be, but there's a real subtle art to it where, where people overdo it, you know, Mm -hmm. people overshare, you know, and especially in the coaching industry, I think um, I've been kind of in and around, uh, the wellness industry for a long time. And I've been on a little bit of a journey myself for my own healing since I was probably 13 years old. Um, so I was reading like Wayne Dyer's first couple books, you know, your erroneous zone and the no limit person. And I mean, I read Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance, I think when I was 15. (laughs) And so, so it's just sort of been like what I've been around and, um, I've had a big, evolution you know i'm nothing like who i was a year ago let alone who i was when i was 13 you know 
So that's sort of And you're not bleeding. supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, that's bleeding into the whole dude. Mm-hmm. But I um, going back to Lowtown and uh, Westport Media Holdings, um, we basically uh, have a, a very cool synergistic symbiotic relationship um, because I, you know, I still have my clientele and what I'm doing with them. And over the years, I've really um, reduced the number of people I work with. And that's not out of snobbery. It's just practicality. I mean, there's one, there's only so much you can do well. And so the thing is, I'd rather just have a few people I work with and do the absolute highest premium yeah. service as affordable. I mean, I should charge for, but afford, as affordable and and then my relationship with Lenny is he started um, for four or five years ago. It's like, let's work together. Let's work, you know, let's work together. And then we've done some projects over the years, but I never really like super went all in um, because I've been in survival mode for so long. That's a huge risk to, to make that leap. And so the why I moved closer and closer to Lenny and Dan for that point, um, is they're doing stuff, you know, and I've actually had tons of people with brilliant concepts and dreams and ideas and let's do this, let's do that. But it's really hard to get out of the gate, you know, mm-hmm. with those dreams and concepts. And, but those guys are really doing some stuff. So, so my role right now is I'm trying to, um, help grow, revenue with these guys in different ways. Um, and we have projects that I do a project management role. And, um, so I kind of still got my Swiss army knife on and, um, that's, that's what I do. (laughs) And it's, it's very beautiful because these guys encourage my other stuff, you know, like I, at some point, like I haven't really promoted my book hardly at all. And, but Lenny the other day said to me, we were in a meeting with a database developer and Lenny looked at me, he's like, when are you going to do your whole dude event? And like he's, in, <laughs> you know, it's like, you need to do that. And, um, there's a documentary I'm going to start filming next year, um, called look beyond religion. And, uh, I told Lenny the other day, I'm like, man, I'm going to start working on that next year. And he's like, we got cameras. Let's, let's go, you know, let's just start doing it. We got people. Let's do it. So that kind of energy is, um, not just synergistic, but very symbiotic because there's talented people coming in and out of here that I'm meeting that do different things that I have access to that if I'm just home alone by myself and my Mickey mouse pajamas, um, I don't have access to that, you know? So it's like this, another it's like a leap of faith for me to get out of that um survival mode and there's another step you know and i think there's a lot of people that talk about um going from survival to thrival and i honestly think on a deep level most people see that message or hear that message and they're like that's bullshit and it's hard for us to get our mind around just going straight from survival to thrival. And, and I think there's in between steps, you know? So I feel like I'm personally moving into more of a stewarding mode where it's like you start not just surviving, you you start having the faith that you're going to be okay. Like you can wake up in the morning and all the 
bullshit going on that we can start our day with, um, we can overcome that, you know, and not just survive. We can actually know like, yeah, I'm going to be okay. You know, like I constantly am like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. (laughs) It's like, I gotta say that over and over. And then finally, um, you don't, you start seeing evidence that you're going to be, not finally, but you start seeing evidence that you're going to be okay. Like the right people start showing up or you got a big bill to pay. And all of a sudden somebody you met in a bar three years ago says, Hey dude, I got your card. I, you know, I need a website. And you're like, Whoa, how'd that happen? Mm-hmm. You know? So you start seeing this evidence that you're going to be okay. And then the next thing is you start having a little bit of surplus where you're like, yeah, I think I, I think I will take that hundred bucks and spend it wisely, wisely on something. So you start stewarding that extra little. Yeah. I, I had this, I had this, <laughs> it's almost the same philosophy. I had this friend that, uh, you know, he was always a homebody and he would never go out and this and that, but also he would complain about not having a girlfriend. Mm. And I said, man, it's not like the Girl Scouts. They're not going to show up at your door. You know, I mean, they're not going <laughs> to knock on the door and say, Hey, here I am. You, you know, you want you said you have to be out there and I don't necessarily meant for him to be at bars or things like that. I mean, like just be out there, grocery store, whatever, just be out and about in the world and then talk, yeah. you know? And nice. so it's the same concept of where you have to, you have to be out there for things to happen and not just like, like, like I could be just sitting at home, you know, uh, in my little, with my little, uh, interface and making my radio shows and, and not reaching out to people and things won't happen. It'll just slowly just die off. Yeah. For sure. You just got to constantly keep pushing and reaching out to people and saying, Hey, you want to do this? Hey, you want to do this? And things will happen. And like, and then like, like just this scenario here, me and you were friends on Facebook and just chatted back and forth here and there. And then the next thing you know, Hey, come out and check this out. And then I see everything that's going on here and it's just amazing. And we're just still at baby steps of what could possibly happen later on down the line. And so, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Um, when you think about, um, you know, the concept of co-creating, and, um, one thing I've been trying to embody is <laughs> I laugh because I, I'm kind of woo woo, but I try not to be woo woo, you mm-hmm. know? And, but one thing that I've been trying to, uh, talk about and, and say to people is the concept of, uh, competition is just, it's obsolete. Um, because we have infinite ideas and thoughts and, and your the idea of competing to me, to me now, it's a failure of collaboration, you know, because when you're collaborating, you bring it. I mean, you've got good stuff that you're bringing, but it just gets way better when you're working with other people. Yeah. And that's not a new concept, but um, it's the idea of not being in a place of fear, but an idea of coming from a position of strength. So when you're so you might have a quote unquote competitor um, that you bring in, in the mix. And we could talk about that offline, but <laughs> cause I had an idea about us collaborating on another level, but I don't want to go down that rabbit yeah. hole. But, but the idea is the collaborations I've enjoyed the absolute most is when everybody can walk away and say, fuck this, that they can be like, like they're so good 
they don't need the deal. They don't need the collaboration that they're just solid already. And when you bring those people into the mix, um, you have confidence in them because they paid their dues, you know? And like when I was in corporate, I built a really cool, I had a great opportunity to build an, um, an in-house agency and, I always hired everybody that was like smokingly great, amazing within what I, my corporate budget was, but people that were way better than me. And, and so when I was out in the field, um, defining and understanding the requirements with the client, um, I could come back and say, yeah, here's, I could set the table, you know, here's the structure, here's the deliverables, what we got to do. And I was in the shower the other day and I got this idea and I drew it on the steam and, you know, this is my initial thing, but y'all take this and if that helps, great. But if you want to run with it, like you're run with it. And that's a very refreshing place to be in if you're on both sides of the fence. So if you're the employee and you're like, wow, man, this is cool. I have... I don't have to listen to, you know, you, I'm free to do some cool stuff. And then from a manager, you can move on and have a bigger vision because you know, you got this cool team that's running with things and that. And, and so as a independent small business person, um, I just feel incredibly blessed because over my entire career, I've just been building these relationships with these extraordinary people, you know? And it's like, what can I do to create with these people? What can we do to get them on the map? I mean, like, how can I, I don't like the word elevate, but I lo- how can they expand and how can they grow with us collectively by being together? And I saw that opportunity with Beyond FM because I'm like, all right, Tony's got this great energy. He's a solid guy and he knows all these music people. And then we have an independent record label that some of these original people you may know, um, could collaborate here and then you have all the other stuff, you know, we got a venue, um, that people can perform at. So it's like, it's just all this mm-hmm. cool stuff. And I, and that's how we, you know, started here, but down the road, who knows where we're going to go with this together, Yeah, you know? So it's a beautiful thing. I look forward to it all. Um, I like the, the fact that the, mentioning that, you know, uh, it's a beautiful thing when two people or two entities collaborate that, both of those entities don't really know need each other to right. do something great. Exactly. But they're both there because they want to be there. Right. You know? And yeah. Yeah. And like the, the thing I say to people, it's like when you see the credits of star Wars, it, everybody knows George Lucas did star Wars and the credits don't say George Lucas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's like there's legions of people that make that happen. You know, and they are probably the best of the best of the best at what they do, you know, and um, that's what it takes to do extraordinary things. And um, and um, that's sort of the approach, not to be cheesy to segue into my book, but it was important for me to to really do the best, put my best foot forward and, and knowing I could it wasn't just me, you know, like. I did a lot. I mean, I pushed it probably to the, you know, five yard line, (laughs) but then there was revision after revision that I got people involved, you know, giving their feedback and stuff. And that's how you get it to a level like that. And that's totally an ego thing. You know, you have to have enough confidence that what you got is good. 
but you have to have a strong enough ego when you give birth to your baby and someone says, no, I don't really like that black cover. Yeah. Um, which by my way, my next book is going to have a black cover <laughs> where someone's going to say, I don't really like that black cover. Um, would you consider something blue, you know, a little softer? And, and if you have a strong enough ego, you can see it, what they're saying. And you're like, damn, that's just way better. <laughs> that blue is way better. You know, thank you. I you go know. through that with, the, with, I mean, the station of, <clears throat> you know, um, for a long time, I was like, it's it's not good enough to approach people with, you know. Like, yeah. I, I, it yeah. was out there, and people kind of knew about it, but it was like, I don't really feel strong enough to just reach out for sponsors or, or do bigger things. And so then I sat down, like, you know what? So if I don't feel comfortable with it, it's it's I have to put in the work to make it the way I feel strong enough. Um, also okay. talking about the ego thing, you know, when I first started, um, a lot of people were like, oh, you, you just got to do rock and you got to do this. And and my vision was to bring the whole scene together mm-hmm. as, a, as a collective as much as possible. Um, and so, yeah, whenever, you know, my ego is strong enough now to where people like, you know what, you play too much hip hop or you play too much punk or this and that. And I'm like, you know what? I think and I've done it long enough now, listen to it long enough now that I know that it works. Yeah. You know, absolutely. You, you don't have to uh, pander to everybody, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you have a powerful enough product that you're going to hit your audience, yeah. you know, and because even in, even in normal, everyday uh you know terrestrial radio formats mm-hmm. listeners only going to listen to it 20 30 minutes at a time anyway so for me to switch it up or whatever and like no let's just you know leave it at that and they'll come back later on and tune back in again you know yeah well that first time we met we were sitting in the playhouse in the mm-hmm. front row <laughs> and I didn't know how to turn anything on, which I wish I did. But the interesting thing that you said that really like bought, like gave me buy-in and it was just chatting, you know, we're talking, mm-hmm. you told that story, you were like, you know, sometimes I just kind of drive around St. Louis and, and St. Louis has a sound and I'm like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Because I saw what you're saying. It's like, okay, you have a mission to try to, try to capture that sound, yeah. you know, and, and you hear, um, you know, you've heard that about other cities, you know, Motown, the Detroit sound or whatever. And you're, there's so many diverse, talented people in St. Louis. It frankly seems like it'd be difficult to lasso in the St. Louis sound. That sounds like a, a very difficult task because there's to delineate all the flavors because, you know, you got some incredibly awesome, talented hip hop people and you got some jazz people and, you know, there's, I think St. Louis is almost becoming like the tribute band capital of the world. I mean, Just about. there's some bad ass, super talented tribute bands, you know? Well, even, even you though, know? and I'll even say this, even though I'm saying it publicly and, and mm-hmm. I'm, and, I'm a, and you know me, I'm a huge advocate for, for original artists. Yeah. Right. But even just the cover band scene is huge here as well. Yeah. And there's a yeah. lot of great cover bands. There takes a lot of like, I'm, I play a little bit and, uh, you know, I've had a snobby, 
thing when I was young <laughs> was like, I learned just playing tab, you know, I got guitar magazine and would read, you know, Oh, I'm going to play that. Here I am Rocky like a hurricane. You know, mm-hmm. Cause that was what was in guitar magazine that day. And I developed kind of this snobby attitude of like, if I could play it, then it wasn't any good. <laughs> you know, it's like, damn, I could, you know, smoke on the water. Eh, 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 eh. Okay, that song sucks because I could do that, you know. I could but do. like, I could, uh, when I could understand those basic bar chordy kind of stuff. And, and so I kind of uh, learned a little bit about music theory. But what ended up happening was it really limited my expression because I, was so locked into like, I'm in the Mixolydian mode and I'm going to, I'm going to move to Lydian. You know, it's like it limited who I was, but my point is, as it comes to tribute bands, um, I don't think that way anymore. I mean, what I think is just whether you're doing creative stuff or you're, you're doing a tribute band, you're, you've put in the work. I mean, you've, you got to have an ear to discern the tone to get that guitar just to sound right. Yeah. Just to get that, it could take hours and hours and hours just to get your rig set up the right way, you know? And then just the memorization of it, you know? And, you know, you see these guys, they'll go out and they'll play and they've got the whole, you just don't memorize shit. I mean, that's rehearsal and practice and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I have incredible respect um, for anybody that's on the stage on what they're doing. I do too as well. I mean, you know. it, it is, it is, uh, it's not easy, especially to get to the level where you're performing all the time, no matter yeah. what you're doing, you know, that it's a level, of, that's a level of dedication. Yeah. To your well, life. and yeah. personal development. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be like, I, I don't really play around people. I've got some stuff I record and I, the, the thing I enjoy is, the, the revision and the, the process because it's it's one thing when music you get some sound in your head and you you're lucky to capture it and you get it down and you don't really um you just let it flow you know you don't try to edit while you're going like oh i should not do an f sharp i should do you know a d minor or what you don't do that when you play you're just in that moment but then the, what i enjoy is the post-production um where you can come in and like oh i played that part perfect and the other two times i didn't so i'm gonna copy and paste that (laughs) and like here we go and then like i hit that note only once but it would sound cool if i repeated it and faded it at the end and maybe it plays seven times you know and in the last you don't hear it the eighth time so you get to do that create the in the mix and the edit and all that is just as much of a creative part and and that's what i enjoy and like when I did my book, I wanted to have the audio immediately, you know, because my target audience is men. It's called the whole dude. Um, but I don't know how much men read, you know. So I'm like, OK, well, I have a, I got to do an audio book. And um, that was cool to do that because it kind of brought my and I did every and I did everything. And it brought my edit, my engineering, my audience. I've done tons of audio projects, but it brought it to another level because it was like my stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, let's talk about the whole dude a little bit. Um, sure. we won't go into in depth. Like yeah. I said, we'll, we'll yeah. have other conversations regarding good. the book and, and, and draw more attention to it. But, um, just give us a little, um, 
what it's all about and and things like that if you want. Sure. Well, um, I, I'll start out by saying I had a little bit of an identity crisis this summer after I published the book and I was thinking I was going to be there and, you know, try to help people and all that kind of stuff. And I have kind of a dysfunctional relationship with kind of the coaching industry and, um, I've spent, like I said earlier, years and years and years on my own personal development. And I feel there's a ton of, um, growth I still need to do. And, and so the point of the book is to help people remember what they already know. And so what I, the tagline for, in my mind and what I mentioned to people is I remind them they're whole already. And so to me, it's like instead of coming out of the the gate where you're saying to somebody, you're broken and you need to read my book um, or take my course, go to my retreat, and here's my my special sauce to fix you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, guys, like some people claim men are fixers. I don't know about that. But I'm, so I'm not trying to fix anybody. But what I'm trying to do is remind people they're whole and let them know in my experience what that looked like for me. And I share stories about that, of what wholeness and the byproducts that start showing up in your life when when you're feeling whole. And the reason I started the book was I just felt, um, this was pre-COVID, like right before COVID hit, uh, I was really into the holistic lifestyle and people start talking about you're good enough or you're a whole or whatever. And it was just on the surface Mm -hmm. of it. And most people are like, well, okay, that sounds good, but I have no point of reference, you know? So that's the purpose of the book. I'm all about structure and stuff. So I try to give some structure to what wholeness would look like. And the way I did that was to use what I call a relatable framework. So there's four parts of the book that guys can relate to. And it's the first part of the book's the sun. And the second part's the warrior. The third part's the lover. And the last part's the father. And um, we can get our head around that. It's not some made up the wizard or the joker or, yeah. you know, it's not those kind of different archetypes. It's stuff we get, we know, you know. So right off the bat, we have a point of reference of like, oh, what's a kid like? Oh yeah, I know what kids are like. They they are brutally honest and they are funny and they have a sense of wonder and and so that's how the book is structured. So there's four parts and then each um, part has four chapters and then it it's again a byproduct. So so when you're whole, in my opinion, <laughs> and we're not always whole. I mean, I'm not there. I have a idea of what it looks like, but there's many many times I'm a train wreck. You know, I'm not yeah. whole, but it's funny because I, sometimes I listen to my audiobook and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. That's what that looks like. And, and so it's kind of, it's on the border of narcissistic of like listening to yourself. Uh, but, and then saying, damn, I'm good. That's kind of a weird thing. But, but my point is that when you're firing on all cylinders and you're feeling whole, there's byproducts, you know, you're, you are honest, you know, you, I think people lie out of fear. And so when you're, you, you are starting to manage your fears, you know, you do start 
taken things on head on. And, but so that's what the book is. It's like the, the byproducts of what it looks like. So. Gotcha. Well, we'll definitely get more into that. Cool. Someday. Cause I have a story. I do I, have a story yeah. and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it sometime. If we have time and I'm willing to open that can of worms, you know, I'd love to. Can't wait to hear I'd it. Lo- I, I'd love to sit down and, and go through the whole book and then, and get in, come back and talk to you and say, okay, this is how it applied to me. You know? Oh gosh. That sounds amazing. That'd be, oh my gosh, that would be, um, an incredible gift if you did that for me. Um, I ran into somebody recently and they, they said they enjoyed the book a lot. And it's the interesting thing was when I was writing, it was you did, I needed some validation. Like, is this any good? Is that me going to read this? um, Are my stories kind of (laughs) stupid? And, but since the book's been out, I've been getting little hits of dopamine when someone shoots me a message and said, Hey, I got, that was cool. I like this or that and the other. And, um, that, that's an amazing dopamine hit when someone says they got something out of it. Because what I was wrestling, when I alluded to the identity crisis, what I wrestled with was um, maybe the purpose of things and the impact of things. And I thought, okay, I've already got the emotional hit by doing this. You know, I've already got that invisible um reward you know like when i saw my mom open the book like one of my first Mm -hmm. you know runs i i i got a little few in and she was involved with the process and was always like when are you gonna do your book and get it done and all that and so she was i guess the first person that saw my book and to see her open that and be so excited that that was good enough but then it's like okay maybe you know 10 or 20 people might get something out of this that'd be great but then you know, I'm a big uh, proponent of infinity, you know, the last chapter is about infinity. So I thought, you know, you got to wake yourself up to the possibility of something being really, really, really big. And, and so my fear was, well, what would you turn into Dave? You know, what if you're sold a million copies of like, what would you turn into? You know, so I really struggled with that. And then the impact part of it was like, I got some cool stuff um, I'm working on, in the book, you know, the book is just one thing, but it's like, do I have an obligation? You know, am I supposed to put myself out there and, and be some sort of influence or mentor or guru? And I struggle with that, you know, and yeah, that is, that's some deep thinking when you can ask somebody and, and I'm even asking myself this too. And it's very deep question. I would say, okay, what would happen? Okay. What, what would you do if everything that you wanted to happen happened? Are you asking because nothing, are you saying that? Because nothing, nothing, nothing goes smooth, but I mean, what if are you asking me that? Are you saying no, that's, I'm just a saying hypothetical, saying hypothetical. that's a hypothetical yeah. you talk to other people about? Um, well, I have, um, like I said, I'm blessed. I, I think, I'm in an age now where you begin being motivated by what's going to outlive you, you know? And so I have, um, like three more, oops, there's our buzzer. It's <laughs> okay. Well, it's okay if we run over. Um, if so, like for me personally, there's like th- probably three or four books more I want to write. And there is, 
there's three documentaries I'm creating. Like I said, next year, I'm going to start working on a documentary called Look Beyond Religion because I think spirituality needs kind of a reboot kind of thing. Definitely. Um, and so there's a series of documentaries, and then I have about seven or eight, maybe nine feature-length films. And that's what excites me again about this group here because I'm closer to being able to do that because I, I wouldn't, at my age, that stuff's probably went. I'm starting to realize I might not be able to make those movies. I'm getting hits. <laughs> it's a massive yeah. thing. So in a perfect world, I could um, sustain myself economically and and live like a halfway decent life of comfort um, and make this stuff. And um, mostly because I feel if there's a, if I have a purpose. It's kind of to be a teacher through storytelling and all these things are story. It's all storytelling. And, you know, my first movie is going to be about how much we are the same. (laughs) (laughs) It's so easy to be stereotypical and that's not a new concept. I mean, that was, that's been done probably 200 years ago, but it's just, I think every single person alive has a unique way to tell a story. So, so I have a unique way. I want to tell that story. I mean, even if, you know, me and you lived exactly, you know, born the same day, lived in the same house, followed each other, you know, had the same exact life. Yeah. We'd still tell a different story. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was trying to explain to my mom. Um, She, she's like, you got to get this done. You know, I'm like, mom, I actually made my mom cry. It was terrible. Um, I said, mom. You're the only person that cares when this book gets done. <laughs> she started crying. <laughs> it was terrible. And and um I said, you know, I I wanna do the best I can and it takes time and it's not just taking on a yellow pad. I mean that's part of it, but then there's other steps and I said I want to do the best thing I can and I said mom what you need and I'm like why are you so worried about it well I don't I don't want you to miss this opportunity and other people there's just so much competition and you're all these other people are gonna have this and they might you know steal your stuff or talk about your stuff and I was like mom there's eight seven back then there was seven billion people now there's eight billion (laughs) (laughs) But I said, uh, there's 7 billion people and, you know, I have a, it's 80,000 word book and there could be a thousand people that steal every word, every 80,000 words (laughs) and they just stole it from me. And I said, there's still so many other people that. Mm-hmm. there's an audience for this. So it doesn't matter if it got stolen. And, and, um, and I said, and then what I also realized later was one, that's never going to happen. But the other thing is even my 16 ideals, you know, someone could do that. They could do the same thing. And, but the thing is, is I attach my experience of that, you know, like how I, live through that type of thing. So no, nobody else has that story of me breaking out the windows of our garage with Timmy Brotherton at the baptism of my little system or my little sister. No one else had that experience. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yep. So it's like getting out of that fear mindset of, of like how our fear drives us like that. It's a good thing, but it's also sucks. You know, it's not good to be in a place of fear. 
Not at all. Yeah. So that's pretty much what I got for this episode. Cool. Um, I love the idea of having another get together. If this resonates with your crowd and um, maybe dissect some things in the book with more yeah. granularity, because but, well, but more particularly because of your, what you told me, like, I'd love to hear your, your story on how that played. You can remind me of what the, the exact statistic is of this, because oh, I find it very important, um, especially on, on a male side. Um, but what is the, the demo? Uh, Are you talking about the suicide? Yes. Because I, I think I'm like, I don't think I said any st- statistics except the suicide. Yeah. What, what blew me away was uh, people talk about the tragedy of young people killing themselves and people mm-hmm. are, the world is so screwed up and these poor kids. And what I found was um, I was in the revision phase of my book and I was having some, um, what's that word where, where you're questioning, is this good enough to this mm-hmm. imposter syndrome is what they call it. I have it all the time. Yeah. And yep. so my friend, her, um, her step, it was a step dad, oh no, her stepmom's dad, her stepmom's dad, 80 something, 84, 85 years old committed suicide because he didn't want to be a burden on the family. There was a choice between going in a nursing home or moving in with the family. The family welcomed him into their home, but he thought he'd be too much of a burden and he killed himself. And, and that was what got me over my imposter syndrome. Cause I thought my book could totally suck. <laughs> and if one person got a fragment of something out of this that kept them preventing them from taking their own life, then that would be worth the effort I put into this. So then I dug into it a little bit more. I'm like, I'm going to research this. And any any loss of life is tragic, but when it's someone that succeeds themselves snuffing out their life, it's even more tragic. But what really hit home for me when I looked at, there's a report um, that I looked at and it said the demographic, uh, the top demographic was like from 50 to 65 commit suicide. And then the next second popular, the next graphic demo down was 40 to 55. So technically our age range between 40 and 60, whatever, 65, we're the ones that succeed at killing ourselves, (laughs) you know, and the despair and the, and the brokenness, um, it's sad, you know, and who talks about that? Nobody, because I mean, really, nobody talks about the, that's the real deal that no one talks about. Because I think men run into a bunch of different things into that demographic where, whether it be you losing your parents yeah, or, um, you start becoming to where, um, you know, your kids are probably moving out of the house. So so that newness, uh, you know, the, the empty nest thing kicks in a little bit. Yeah. You know, uh, you're hitting divorce because maybe you, you've been together for 25 years and yeah. you're just tired of each other, or yeah. or something slightly happens where you know, I mean, your body's you got wear and tear, and, yeah. and you no longer can provide like you used to right. for your wife and kids, and maybe yeah. you have to sell your house and get a smaller one. Yeah, you go into financial problems, and yep. and all that kind of hits between 40 and 60. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, the disease and the 
And you bring a great point about finances. I mean, <laughs> our world is so outwardly based and material that that gives us evidence of what we like and who we are in the material world. But you run out of resources and that $80,000 worth of credit card debt that you rang up over the years that you never paid down. And then you're like, shit, my, and then the comparison is very depressing. Shit, Ralph just bought a place in Cocoa Beach and he's retired and here I am barely fucking getting by. And that's brutal, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's enough to do some really bad stuff. And also, I mean, and and we'll end with this because I'll I'll say why I feel so blessed because, you know, I'm, I'm turning 51 in February and... I find it to be very important, especially, and we'll say if, if we hit a younger demographic on this particular uh, episode, um, find something that is important to you that you, that really will last your life because you're all right. Um, because when that time comes like now I'm blessed that I, I'm not sitting around just sitting around watching TV or, or things like that. Like find something whether it just be a hobby that's very important to you that can keep your mind going as you're going through life instead of just working your nine to five or whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden you retire and you don't have nothing else after Absolutely. that. You know, Get your, um, when you pulled up, I was on the phone with my friend Shelly and we talked about that very thing, you know, about that fire, you know, ignite, you know, and, um, ignite something like she said <laughs> she said it kind of funny she's like i don't want to sound x-rated but you know you need to you need <laughs> she's <laughs> she's like you gotta be able to get yourself off you know <laughs> she's like and that could be anything and that's the juice of why we're here and you gotta have that and have that otherwise it's, it's, you're numb, you know, if you can't find that thing that ignites you and, and when you're down and you're out, you know, or whatever challenge comes your way, if you, if you have that thing to fall back on, like with, with me particularly, sometimes, um, I hardly ever play guitar anymore, but, um, there's times I'll be kind of in not so great place and I'll just randomly pick up my guitar and I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot how good this feels, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's, and you'll have something so and you'll have that your whole life, even if you're it's like therapeutic, yeah, incredibly therapeutic to fall onto when, when the chips are down, you know, so, and you have what you're doing with this craft, you know, this is an art that you're doing, you know, so it's a beautiful thing. Hopefully I can continue it for a long time. I'm sure you will, man. I'm going to try. May the force be with you. <laughs> yes. Well, I appreciate your time and right we'll on. get together again soon and, and shoot the shit, if you will. Right on. We'll shoot some, we'll chew the fat. Alrighty. <laughs> All right, man. It. Thank you. All right. We're out of here. We'll see you next time on Beyond FM. The best of everything STL. You're goddamn right. Beyond FM.
good day, no need.